Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two, Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. On today's Conversations with Big Rich, we have Phil Norvold. Phil is the owner of Max Built Off-Road and Manufacturing. He has been uh, in and around the car scene for quite a while. We're going to talk to him about uh, how he got started in uh, in off-road and, and where he's at now and what's coming in the future. So, Phil, thank you very much for coming on board. It's been a pleasure knowing you for the short time I've known you. We, we got to know each other, um, I think because of the epic Willie's adventure, but maybe it was at masterminds. Anyway, I feel like we, we knew of each other before, yes. but masterminds, we really got to, I think cultivate more of a relationship. Correct. Yeah. So thank you for coming on board. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's hit it right out of the park to begin with. And, uh, you know, where were you born and raised? So I was born in Hudson, Wisconsin in 1985. And, uh, I was, I lived there till I was six. I guess I'd have to say though, that, um, my more impressionable years, I was raised, uh, on the East coast in Connecticut, moved back to the Midwest when I was 16 and I've been here ever since. And when you, uh, I'd imagine if you left when you were six, those, the, those years up till six or at least with they're, me, they're a little foggy. <laughs> it's yeah. more about what people have told me I did or what we did, um, more so than what I remember doing. Is that the same with you, or do you have some 100%. memories? There's a, I, remember, I remember talking to the moving guy in the driveway of the house, but that was about it. <laughs> um, most of my memories were <clears throat> from out east. And, um, you know, until when I move back, every once in a while, we'll drive by that house that I was born in and you, know, you get a, you remember a couple of things or I remember some, some memories of the playground out back or whatever, but um, yeah, most of that just kind of, like you say, more of a, a painting in the brain than a, a, a real recollection of, of a story. So then let's start with being in Connecticut and was that uh, Madison area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. So I was in, uh, right on the East coast or right on the, uh, the long Island sound, um, little beach town. Uh, we, um, 
we didn't have any immediate family out there. It was, you know, I, I didn't grow up. I wasn't into cars. I wasn't um, into much of those things, but my dad was, uh, you know, he was my pal. So it was whatever house projects, right? Fix, always fixing or coming up with something um, to repair a project or make something better. <clears throat> he was pretty crafty. Um, and so that was, you know, that was my nights and weekends or, <clears throat> and we did some, obviously like the sports as kids and did the, the Cub Scouts, Boy Scout thing for a while. Um, and so that was kind of, it was, we were brought over there for a job transfer that he had. We were able to, you know, grow friendships with, with people out there. But I always seem to have a connection to Connecticut or to, I'm sorry, to, to Wisconsin because we would come back here every summer uh, while I was growing up and stay with my grandma up, up in the North Woods. And earlier, I don't know, 11 or 12, my parents uh, got a divorce and my mom had said, well, where, where do you want to go? And I said, well, let's go move back to where she grew up in northern Wisconsin. And she was like, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> we, we can go anywhere in the planet, but we're not going to go back to Wascott, Wisconsin, mainly because, well, there's not a lot of opportunity up there. Um, or, or if you do have the opportunity, it's harder to, um, it's just harder to get everywhere. It's a little bit more remote. So she, she had said, there's a, there's a town called Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, it's a kind of the mix of everything. She was able to finish her schooling, um, that she was working on. And so it kind of was the best of all worlds. And it was only like an hour and a half, two hours from my grandma's up North. So I was able to go spend time up in the woods and still have some semblance of human connection here in Eau Claire. <laughs> so, so working with your dad doing projects and stuff was there in Connecticut. Were you, what kind of job was he doing? So he actually worked in uh, a salesman for the, in the food service industry. Okay. Uh, so he worked for <clears throat> a company called Viola Marketing Group, and they were a manufacturer's rep for, well, uh, every subway that you've ever been in right. has bought all of their equipment to make those sandwiches and keep the meat fresh and whatever from um, Viola Marketing Group. Okay. So, and they're, so my, my conversations or the ones I was around was about, you know, cook and hold ovens and, uh, like, Hey, that's a really nice, uh, commercial sink. Um, <laughs> not, <clears throat> but I do remember at the warehouse, um, or, you know, the back of that, uh, that, their office we called it the office in the warehouse it was just you know the the back of that building <clears throat> my uncle well the uncle dave who was who my dad worked with um and it was an honorary family member because that's all that we had out there so i still refer to him as such but uncle dave had a an, an old amc javelin oh nice underneath underneath the tarp um and it was like i i'd always just be fascinated by it. Um, and I was the kid who just liked to take things apart. Um, if they went back together, like that was a bonus. And if they went back together and worked, well, that was a rarity. 
Um, <laughs> but I just was always wanting to know what's next and how does it work? And, and so, um, that, that car always intrigued me and just knowing, uh, uncle Dave's background with like, he had, when he was younger, he was really, he was into those old cars and old Mopar stuff. And, um, specifically AMCs, he, he was a big Jeep nut. Um, and so I, I guess, and I'm maybe just making this connection right now, but you know, my dad's, the first Jeep that I could remember was a 1987 Jeep Cherokee Laredo classic with, it was like, and it was two door tinted windows, had that burgundy plaid interior. Um, and that was, my uncle gave that to my dad in, I think 91, um, as, as a company car, it was his and like, it still, it had a, the window sticker folded up in the glove compartment. I remember that. And I remember those, uh, back before we had garbage bags that had drawstrings in the top, (laughs) there was, remember the yellow Christmas trees? that were like jammed in the box you'd like snap them apart and then when you would like tie your bag up you'd wrap wrap it up with this little uh like sawtooth looking uh yellow piece of plastic and then that would be how you would tie the bag shut yep well one of those was wrapped around the one of the spokes of the steering wheel um as a good luck charm remember my uncle said when he gave it to my dad he's like don't take that off that's good luck um and so t- to this day, side note, that's still there. Um, oh, and that, that Jeep is still around too. That yep. Jeep is still around. Wow. And that was yeah. the, the XJ style. Yep. Yeah. So that wow. was like the, you know, it was just after that must've been right after Chrysler bought it. And then it was like the first year of the, like the figured out fuel injection stuff. Cause before that it was a little bit different look on the Cherokee. Um, I don't remember exactly what, what that model year switch was. That's one thing I'm not super great about. Uh, there's a, well, you know, we, we were talking about Vern, um, guys like Vern or Pete Trasborg, like those are, uh, specifically Pete. I don't know if you were lucky enough to, to spend time with him. No, I never got was, to. Oh my gosh. He was, he was the rain man of Jeeps. Um, and he just, he would know that, oh, well, it had this type of stitching, so that must mean that it was this model, blah, 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 blah. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. I, uh, <clears throat> that was, I think, my, my first uh, involvement in Jeeps was that 87 um, Cherokee. And, and because of my, my uncle's interest in them, I be- my dad became interested in them, and then I became interested in them. Um, and we had... One of those is a family car for, um, up until, you know, my parents split and we, we moved, started moving around again. Um, and I, I'm glad you were able to make that connection. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cause so, I guess it's, it's always been, well, how'd you get into it? Well, when I was, you know, 18, which we jump ahead, if you don't mind, no. I'm just kind of rambling. No worries. But, uh. Once, once we moved out back to Wisconsin and I started, um, the people that I connected to out here were 
like a lot of the, the auto shop guys down in the Voke rehab that, you know, in, in Connecticut, there wasn't a whole big, um, automotive side of the, the high school, uh, vocations. Right. In, and like, I was into like the boat building and the TV production out there. And then we had less of that here and we had more woodworking and auto repair. And, um, so I just kind of gravitated towards that and those people, um, you know, a lot of the country guys and, um, you know, kids that worked on farms were the people that I tend to kind of relate to a little bit more. And so I, I kind of, I picked up my first ranch when I was 15 in, in an automotive respect, you know, changing struts in my, my mom's car or, or what it was, you know, learning with the guys in the auto shop. And I enjoyed that because just that satisfaction, um, and instant gratification that like, Oh, I take these three bolts out, I put this part in here and then I bolt it back together. And not only did I fix a problem, like I made somebody's day. Right. And so that's kind of, and then, and then it was, uh, I was working on a farm for a farmer and I was telling, I told him, I was, I was like, I think I want to go into auto mechanics because I'm trying to, you know, at that point in your life, you're trying to figure out, everybody's always asking you, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Like, I want to be a mechanic. And he's like, all right, here, change the transmission in my, in my 96 Chevy. <laughs> um, and like, I hacked my way through it. like, figured it out. Um, like, I don't, there are a couple of the bell housing bolts were tight. Cause I don't know. I couldn't get to them. And you know, is it, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> wasn't fine. Definitely. Definitely had to tighten those back up. But, uh, I think that we've all kinda... done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Either intentionally or unintentionally. <laughs> yep. And then I still kept going and he had an old seventies, uh, like a 76, no 73 high boy Ford. Hmm. As an old, like sprayer truck. It was all rotted out, be- just beat up, but, um, had a 400, uh, in it and four speed tranny. And he's like, oh, you can have it for 150 bucks. Good luck. There's no title. So I, I took that. And then that next year, my last year of high school, ripped it all down in the auto, auto class, wire wheeled the frame, uh, you know, was, was going to do Because, you know, you start taking these things apart, no matter what it is, especially the older stuff. And it's like, oh, just a few more bolts. And then I'm like here. Or, yeah. You and know. all you've done is opened a, a, another can <laughs> of worms. <laughs> right a massive can of worms and i remember uh you know we just my buddies enjoyed the project too and like we just go work on it and <clears throat> it was cool to see it well i found a rust-free body we got it like the frame painted up and a new lift kit in it and you found uh, a rust-free body in wisconsin well all right so it didn't come from wisconsin okay I don't know where it came from. We don't have rust for anything here, as you know. Yes. I don't even get – it's like it's the this crazy mix of whatever road salt they use and our just our humidity levels. Um, it's it's a, it's as bad here as it is, uh, you know, in Cape Cod. It's right. ridiculous. But uh, once I got that truck to that point, then, like, life happened. I moved back – I was – I think I went back down to the farm that next summer. I brought it with me. Um, and it sat there for like a year or two. Um, sorry. Uh, 
so then I just moved back, um, moved back home. I, I ended up, I think this was now like Oh five. I'd graduated. I had, uh, looking for a, a job while I was going to be going to CVTC or the Chippewa Valley Technical College in town. I was going to go for auto body. I decided instead of auto mechanics, cause I was like, well, I know how to do mechanics. Of course. Right? <laughs> I know everything. So I'll just, I don't know anything about this. So I'll, I'll go do that and I'll spend the next whatever rest of my life huffing Bondo dust. And, uh, while I was doing that, I got a job at Napa auto parts. Um, and I was working with, uh, met this guy named Adam. He was kind of, uh, he was the, the only other like younger guy that worked there other than, you know, you know, and I was the most Napa, parts houses or dealer you know napa dealers are the employees have been around around for a while oh yeah they're like it, the napa's the car quests of the world that was like they're the og parts houses yeah. like the, you can go there with and i was lucky to be able to work nights and weekends so i got to see the really crazy stuff but it also helped me like satisfy that urge and of like finding parts or um, like solving a problem, right? Somebody yep. would come in like, Oh, I, the, I got this cap off of a, my tractor, but the rotor is off of this other, like it's just, you'd be mixing and matching based on part numbers, sizes, and descriptions, n- not on your make and model, which right. at this stage of my game, I think you could agree. That's pretty, it's pretty rare to ever be able to call parts house up and give them le- the legit vehicle for what you're actually working on. You just know that these brakes came off of this. Exactly. Um, they're just not on it anymore. <clears throat> but um, I enjoyed I enjoyed that aspect of it. Worked my ranks up from, um, uh, you know, delivery guy up until a counter guy. And then I did some outside sales for him um, between 05 and 10. Um, but in, in – I want to say it was late 05, went up change, switching stores, uh, and we we were uh, in the new building on a, on a weekend, and Adam and I were chatting back and forth, and he's, he's like, oh, I think I'm going to get a Jeep. Or no, I know what it was. While I was going to auto body school, my dad uh, reconnected with me and said, hey, I've always wanted an old CJ7, and... Uh, you're going to auto body school. If uh, he's like, I, I have this one that I just got for 1800 bucks. Would you repaint it now? An $1,800 CJ seven that needs to be quote unquote repainted. If you've <laughs> ever seen an $1,800 CJ seven from the Northern Midwest, you could throw a football through 90% of it. <laughs> so it wasn't just repainted. It needed to be rebuilt and then repainted. But of course I didn't know anything at that point. So I was like, yeah, sure. You bet. I will bring it up here and we'll just, we'll hammer it out in a month or two. Um, (laughs) Shouldn't be a big deal in between, you know, uh, living the college life, going out with buddies and being hung over the majority of the four hours you're spending in lab every day. Uh, you know, it, that, that month, month and a half turned into like four months, five months. Um, but I learned a lot about it. And, and as, 
as I was doing it, it was like, man, these things are, you know, a, a pain in the neck, but at the same time, they're kind of fun. Um, and Adam was saying one, you know, we'd talk about stuff at nights and weekends. You know, I, I've always wanted one too. Um, and we had the trading post. This was before Craigslist. Uh, an ad popped up in the local trading post and it said like, you know, old, I can't remember who, who was looking at something. I think I went, I was, I was looking for a Jeep and it was like 200 bucks. And we went to look at it. There was no motor. There was a tree growing through the hood. Um, but while we were there, Adam looked and he saw a 67 C101 commando, like three vehicles down. This dude had a bunch of stuff and he's like, he kind of shifted his gaze to that. And so then we started talking with the owner about that one. Um, or Adam saw it in the ad and, and that's why we were there either way. Check that out. And then the one he had this CJ that he was driving, that was a twin to the one that my dad picked up that I was finishing repainting. I was like, well, how much do you need for that CJ? And Adam's working a deal on this commando. I'm working a deal on the CJ seven. Um, and the guy wanted 2,500 bucks. Now a broke college kid, you know, working for 120 bucks a week at Napa, um, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't really have $2,000 disposable income, but I did, I did have an old high boy that was like really close to being done down, you know, down South in the the next town over. So he was like, I said, I've got this 91 F-150 that I'm driving now. I got the 77 high boy. I'll trade you both of them, uh, for, for this Jeep. And Meanwhile, Adam sunk a deal with that commando for 200 bucks. So he's now owns that. Uh, I've got, we end up, uh, my deal took like a few more weeks to work with him. We somehow, I don't even know how we got Adams back to wherever we were working on it. Um, but so that was his, I ended up getting mine. I rebuilt mine to like the same color scheme as my dad. So we had twins, Jeeps. Um, he was living down in Iowa at the time I was living up here and, um, and Adam and I were learning and, you know, again at that time too, it was, it wasn't necessarily, uh, Oh, I need to buy these replacement parts. It was like, well, these replacement parts are really expensive. So like maybe we can, you know, use, well, like 56 Bel Air coil springs are a two inch lift spring for a Cherokee. If, uh, <laughs> side note, it's like little stuff like that. Cause it was like, Oh, well the lift springs are like $110 for a pair, but these old Chevy Springs are like 42 bucks from, uh, f- for a pair, you know, just regular over the counter on the shelf and just goofy stuff like that. We spent a lot of time doing the, finding the hard stuff, but we both grew an affinity for the, some of this vintage iron. Um, and Adam's always been like, you know, old is cool, which I agree. I mean, that's, we cut our teeth on old stuff. Yep. Um, so while everybody's driving around, cause at this point, I mean, that's, this is, a, this is the, the turning point into the JK out of the TJ. The TJs were still like, uh, couldn't be touched by somebody of my lowly stature. Um, but, and then like the JKs were the cream of the crop. Also, 
the whole like model change, everybody whines about that. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get over that. No. Uh, they're like, well, I can't believe they're going to do, they're going to improve things yeah. for heaven's sake. <laughs> like, and I find it funny, the guys that, that, you know, started with JKs when the uh, JLs came out, I, I can't believe they're moving, you know, the, the lights out onto the, the fenders and they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's like, guys, stop. <laughs> right. You have no idea. This is, this is easy. <laughs> Dude, imagine going from a CJ seven to a YJ. Are you kidding me? Like, Oh, uh, it was like, it was like the whole industry blacked out for 10 years. No, I like YJs too. Um, <laughs> hey, but, square uh, headlights are cool. I know. I know. <laughs> I, the first chance I can, though, I'll put a CJ front clip on a YJ any day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, and you know, while I was working at Napa and, like, having fun with Adam, like, building Jeeps and sourcing parts and, like, just making them, like, oh, there, we put a lot of creativity, just, you know, it all oh, wasn't meant to be, you know, oh, this part isn't meant to go there. Well, let's do it anyways because it's fun or it looks cool or it's unique. And and then at the same time, uh, I was kind of trying to um, – was the auto body thing didn't really work out. They kind of told me to pound sand So uh, from school. <laughs> and I had had a, a promise to my mother to get a four-year degree at some point. Um, and so – so, well, I better just get this out of the way. I'm already racking up student loan debt and everything else. So I might as well just keep on this path of destruction. And I seemed to really enjoy sales while I was working at Napa. So I started sales and marketing classes um, at, at, the, at the community college. And um, the and I was doing the, you know, just kind of got off this Jeep high of building and painting Jeeps. And I've got my yellow Jeep. And so my dad and I are, talking constantly talking about accessorizing his and what he's going to do so that I can get his old stuff. Um, and then <laughs> convince and then him Adam he needs I, that so you can get the other. <laughs> exactly. Like, Oh yeah, you're going to buy one of those new like gas tank skid plates, right? Cause mine's a ratchet strap. And even though yours is less rusty, you know, I wasn't much of a fabricator at that point <laughs> in my life. And I, cause I didn't have any of those tools available to me. Um, but like it, all these different aspects, right. They kind of were all <clears throat> going into this melting pot for what, what my life was turning into. You know, my wife, Heather, I met Heather when I was 2005 in 2005 and she, or like late Oh four. And then in late, late Oh six, she bought the house that we're in now. And so know, she was already kind of successful. Yeah. Yeah. She had, <laughs> uh, she had, she was a few years older. She had already kind of gone through college, um, or she was just finishing up, uh, when I met her and, um, she was bartending and, you know, one of the, one of the guys, she gave her a job opportunity while she was bartending, you know, like a little country bar. And it evolved into like her next 15 years was in, uh, the, um, water, water and chemical treatment industry. Oh, okay. um, so she was a, an account manager, service technician. <clears throat> so she had like a big girl job and, 
then she was married to this degenerate or not married, but dating this degenerate um, <laughs> who was like spending all of his money and uh, their money on Jeep stuff. And like, this is going to be really cool someday. I promise. Maybe also I promise. Maybe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I just need to get this new toe strap. So, all right. Um, and so we, we would, uh, we, you know, and, and in that, when she bought that house, it was a one bedroom with, uh, like a two or a four car garage underneath the, the house oh, built on a slab. Perfect. I know she loved the land. We were on like eight, 10 acres, um, with a little trout stream. And I was like, great. Now I can, I can live in this shop. Um, and so we would, we would be wrenching on stuff and I'd be, you know, picking up extra work or projects from like the night and weekend people that needed stuff done at, at Napa. Cause people would come in and they'd be buying brake pads and like, oh, I don't even know how to put them on. Like, Oh, well, I mean, I'll put them on for you. Um, you know, make, make 50 bucks or whatever it was. Um, and so I was doing that working with, with Adam and my, and my dad and all the while going to school about sales and marketing. And they, they kept talking about like, you know, make up a fictitious company and, you know, uh, then let's, you know, design a product and how would you market it? And this, that, or the other thing. And it's like, well, I want to just keep building Jeeps. This is too fun. How about I just, my fictitious company, um, it can be that. And my dad was going to buy a, a toughy center console for like 350 bucks. Um, and, I was like, dad, why on earth would you do that? Why don't we just make one? That's so expensive. Now, um, also know that now I am much more expensive than that for a center console, <laughs> but with many more features. Um, right. <laughs> and the times have changed, but, um, you know, there's perspective at that point. And, you know, the, the, the mother of invention truly is necessity. And if you don't have money, but you need to have it or, or really, really want it, you'll figure it out. And, um, we were faxing. This was even before I'd moved into that that new house while I was going to school. We were faxing back and forth, like sketches, because we didn't have you know camera phones with pictures, or we didn't have. So we're we're legit faxing or scanning and emailing uh, blueprints and on how to build a center console that not only is uh, you know that's a center console because like the old Jeeps really didn't have anything that you could lean on or that was, you know, worth, worth it. So we wanted that. We also wanted a spot to put the CD player cause we were both burning up CD players. Um, cause the cowls leak no matter what. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, Oh, let's put one right here and it'll be secure too. I guess that's a cool byproduct. And then, um, we, we I said, well, there's no dome light. So let's put some lights in it too. And how about a power socket so you can, you know, charge your phone or, or your iPod. <laughs> um, and also that stuff seems so weird and antiquated, but it, it's not that old. Um, no, it's, it's not. not. Like, it's not like my eight track, you know, <laughs> but Hey, but anyways, I cut my teeth on eight track. <laughs> I know. As soon as I said that, I was like, yeah, you've seen way more than I've seen. And it, it just, it's the, you know, I'm looking at a Holly sniper EFI kit. And just having that same conversation yesterday when it came into my office, like, look at what's happened in our lifetime. This is incredible. 
Um, but uh, so we. I made side uh, money rebuilding Rochester car, um, quadrajets. Yep. That's how I made side money. Okay. That's, <laughs> People look at me well, and go, what is that? <laughs> long, long live the, the Rochester 2G car. Adam <laughs> still has uh, a whole boatload of them because that's kind of his niche too. <laughs> and he just loves doing that. Um, but yeah, so one thing led to another. We, and well, we, we had this product for a center console and I was using it in my like fake classes. And then, um, one day I was like, well, what should we name this thing? Uh, and I think my dad popped, popped in. He's like, what about Max built? My middle name is Maxwell. Okay. And, and it sounds better than Phil built. <laughs> and, uh, so we, my dad, he's True. Joke, he's, like, oh, good. he's like, good, good thing. Your, your middle name isn't Lester. And then it'd be less built. <laughs> but, you know, and then I think it was just before 2008, uh, I ran into a buddy when I was doing sales calls at Napa. There was an engineer at a sheet metal company, uh, Jay Miller. And I was like, Hey, Hey dude, he was working on like some Toyota drift racer on a, on a weekend or on a off time at a shop and he worked for Wisconsin metal fab. And he's like, yeah, man, I, uh, I've always wanted to get into this industry. It's cool that you're kind of dabbling with that stuff. Maybe I can, you know, he's like, well, like we could be partners. And I'm like, you don't want any of this train wreck. Trust me. And, and I said, but I'd, I'd love to have your, your help. And like, like I can get you involved and we can do things together, but like, you don't want to share in whatever debt that I'm going to run into. Cause I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> and, and it was pretty much like, you know, fair enough. And honestly, um, I didn't want to be fiscally tied to anybody even still. Cause the, the decisions were more of a co-op now with, with the whole team. Everybody kind of makes, you know, uh, makes it helps make the decisions, but, um, early on, it was just like, man, who knows? Like, well, what if this doesn't work out? I can't trust myself for 30 seconds, let alone, you know, to see a product through to its entire life cycle. <laughs> but we ended up designing it in sheet metal. And we, I said, there's a big show in this place called Mohab, Mo, Moab. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's somewhere in Utah. It's like the it's like the mecca for Jeeps. It's every year there's this pilgrimage for all these crazy yahoos. They it's probably like Burning Man. I don't know, but they have a big trade show, and we should probably go there. And we'll 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 build ten ten of these consoles. We'll go out there. We'll we'll sell them all. Some big company will just kind of pick up the product line, and then we'll just get paid royalties, and then we'll just keep building Jeeps. That's not how it worked. Um, <laughs> Great <and> concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, like, this is kind of fun to, to relive. Thanks for letting me do this, Rich, by the way. This is kind of fun. Um, I'm enjoying sometimes it. Sometimes you forget, you know? Um, so we we're, we set up, like, a an assembly sweatshop in the downstairs of my current house or in the garage, the shop, I don't know. Max built, Max built intergalactic world headquarters was what we would call it. <laughs> and so we we had tunes cranked. Um, my, my, 
my uh, wife's cousins were over, Lonnie, uh, Jay, uh, with this younger guy, Jesse Crow. We'd nicknamed him Shop Rat. Um, and we would be, we're just jamming and hustling and drinking beers and putting together consoles. And we're, that was before powder coating was an option because you actually had to pay people for that. So we were uh, just got the HVLP with some Rust-Oleum hammered black paint. <laughs> and we're we've got we're spraying them in one section of the garage. We've got folding tables in another section where as soon as they're dry, we're piecing them together. Um, and then you know we're we're wrapping them in like whatever sheet plastic we could find, and then stuffing them in a uh, a, a couple of U-Haul boxes taped together. And um, we, I didn't have a truck, so I during my sales because oh, you traded your trucks yeah so that's gone and my wife had a little like pontiac sunfire that i was allowed to drive because she's amazing and but I, so i'm running my and i had my jeep but like that wasn't going to tow anything that's going to go on the trailer and we'll put a console in it and like we'll show it in the in one of these at this booth at this show thing and so i borrow a trailer because i was also working on another guy's jeep a, a scrambler um, Mike King, who I just got to reconnect with and he brought another scrambler over for us to rebuild last summer. Um, but it's working with him on his project at his house. He had a really nice trailer that he said I could borrow. So then it was like, all right, so I've got a Jeep, I've got a trailer. Now I got to and I'm getting product built. I got to find a truck. So I was talking with this guy, um, that was a mechanic at a lawn care company, Scott. And I was like, Hey Scott, do you, you know anybody i'm looking for borrow a truck he's like i got a old chevy i mean it's nothing it's a one ton it's nothing pretty but it'll get the job done it's reliable ish Ish. and i was like deal so i need going all the way to utah (laughs) (laughs) yeah towing a trailer with jeeps on it (laughs) not a pot to piss in and uh oh my gosh it was jay my wife uh uh, myself and then we were going to pick my dad up in Iowa on the way. So we load up, we put fuel and well, you had two people with money then your wife and your, your dad. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank God. And, <laughs> and we're like, okay, so the trade shows on Thursday, we will, we'll get there on a Tuesday and, uh, cause setups on Wednesday or, or maybe it was, we'd get there on Monday and then we'd we'd hang out, do any last minute. We'd wrench on the Jeep because, of course, that wasn't ready to. And we didn't really know but much about trail riding at the time. Um, it was more just, I just liked to jam out with the top down and listen to music. Like, that was what made it fun for me. And so we cruise, we're cruising through and um, we get down to Iowa, we pick my dad up. And uh, it's a 350 two-wheel drive crew cab. And we're, it's actually quite comfy. You know, I don't know. Those old trucks are kind of fun and you don't go fast, uh, but you go until you hit like Des Moines and then I 80 West, like towards council bluffs and those first like little Hills. It was like, wow, this thing really downshifts. You gotta go pretty slow. (laughs) And then we, we hit Omaha and Lincoln and it was just like 
chugging and chugging and chugging. We're like, oh, that's going on. And I remember, like, the the first, there's a, on I-80 going west, uh, I have broke down in pretty much every pull-off stop between here and Moab, Utah, also. <laughs> but this, this on is On one trip or other combined oh, trips? Oh, on all of them. Okay. Because this, this started our annual pilgrimage our, myself. Because each year it had to be, it had to be better than the year before. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so we go, we, we cruise out there and uh, we... I want to say it was just west of Lincoln. It, uh, uh, I, I don't know. We had to start running sea foam through the, the carb because it just wasn't running right and it didn't have power. So, uh, probably nothing major. Well, then we ended up, um, uh, towards North Platte, changing all the spark plugs and spark plug wires. <laughs> Wondering why we were only running 50, 55 miles an hour. Then we get down to, I remember Fort Morgan, Colorado. And then, then it was like every other like component, um, that we could throw at it. Um, other than a map sensor, we'll be back to that in a minute. And <laughs> then we get to, we get down to Denver and there's um, a big it's already mountain been, in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's already been 24 hours. Not the, not the 15 or 10 to 15 that we thought it was going to take. It's already been a full day. We've slept. Uh, we stopped at a hotel. Thanks for my dad for having the Hilton points. <laughs> and so we, we get down to Denver and we start, we pull up into, to evergreen, just start climbing. And the thing is not going anywhere. It's like 15 miles an hour to the wood, trying to pull this truck and trailer up. So we pull over in Evergreen for pizza. There's a little pizza joint right off. Because uh, when the truck's not running right, pizza's always a good choice. So we had to do something, man. Because I'll tell you, here's <laughs> the other thing. Uh, it was, oh no, it wasn't yet. Well, the, it seemed chilly. We'll be back to that in a second, too. Um, but as we're climbing in altitude, things aren't working. And uh, we pull over. We Because at this point, it's like, do we just you know, pull Turn the Jeep around. off the trailer. <laughs> well, he, that was my dad. He's like, well, I mean, we did, we gave it a good try, huh? It's like, <laughs> what? You kidding me? We, no way. Also, all we got to do is get to the top of this stupid mountain. Cause it's pretty much downhill the rest of the way. <laughs> and we're so close. And so we were going to, like I said, we we're going to pull the Jeep off the trailer and just drive it up and over. But I've never been to the mountains, let alone driven through them. And it's dark. It's eight o'clock at night. Uh, and then finally, Jay was like, "All right, hop in. We're going." Well, what's what's well? If it's if we go fifteen miles an hour, at least we're going. And it was like, can't argue with that. We hop in and we start rolling. My dad's in the back seat, just like staring out the window, just have like just panicking, but not <laughs> like, "How's it going back there?" Fine. It's fine. Okay. Thanks for worrying enough for the rest of us and everybody else on this interstate. And so we, we start climbing and it's still like now the, the blower motor quit working. So the only way that you'll have that we have heat as we're climbing up into the mountains in the spring is if you have forward movement and air blowing through the cab and the air box. <laughs> well, we don't have that either. Cause we don't have any speed. Cause well, 
we about realized there that it, what about a manifold absolute pressure sensor? You know, like, cause again, we didn't have Google, but we definitely were, could like, you know, we were asking everybody that we would run into or we would make a ton of phone calls. Um, and when you climb an altitude, it runs shittier and shittier. Well, that's definitely, that's, that's what that part of the, this very, very simple system does. Um, and we're like, oh, that'd be great. Too bad we can't do anything with it anyways because it's the middle of the night now. And I remember just before we get to Vail, there's the, um, the visitor center, right out the Summit Visitor Center. And just before you get to that pull-off, there is a, a large bridge. You may not remember it or it might not pay, stick out in your brain because you probably go over it quickly. But... <laughs> <laughs> we weren't so and it's like over a very large gorge and we had a semi that's getting close to the summit so like if the semis are moving man they're moving right and and you if you're in their way you're gonna get bowled over well so we see semis like flying up the hill probably doing at least 20 and <laughs> <laughs> so so here we are like just inching our way up and then on that bridge it just stops it had no more power oh, no, no more nothing and so like we kind of um we, we just kind of pull over to the uh the shoulder or we were pulling over to the shoulder because we it was like you know seven miles an hour six miles an hour five miles an hour and we're like <laughs> okay we better get out of the way here so so we just sit there we're freezing and semis are blowing by us. We have this Jeep on the trailer. It's like, I don't know. It is, it is probably 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. Um, and then my dad in the back seat, like, ah, uh, well, uh, should we, let's just, do we just walk? It's like, no, <laughs> but we can't just abandon it all. Um, it starts back up. We get enough oomph to like, get it get off to that visitor center all four of us walk into the same bathroom and stand around the the heater the hand blowing hand dryer <laughs> just to warm up and we're just we're actually you know my dad jay and i went into the men's room heather went into the women's room and then she comes she hears giggling and slamming that button for the hand dryer time after time after time so she wanders in there and she's she gets in on all this action so we've we've thawed our fingers out a little bit she's still got i think some like lingering frostbite injuries from this time <laughs> but we get we get up back to the truck and we make our way up through eisenhower at the top there and then on the other side to go from five miles an hour in the mountains to 75 miles an hour in the mountains is probably one of the most terrifying experiences ever <laughs> because you don't even know if this old piece of crap is going like, to stop. It's going to stop if the steering's going to fall off. But at the same time, you're like, well, whatever, man, let's make up some time. <laughs> and so we just start cruising down. The other thing that somebody told us was if you drive to Moab, you have to take the Cisco exit. Those that know of the Cisco exit oh, yeah. know that it's, uh, just a really cool back back road way to get there. So 
That's at like four in the morning by the time we get to that exit. And again, it really was pretty much downhill from there. So not much to talk about. And we get down to that Cisco exit and it's, it's doing key shots. Like every time you left, let off the, the gas pedal, just the old carburetor, just so much fuel and spark doesn't know what to do. <laughs> um, where I remember the sun starts to come up in the Canyon. There's some pretty cl- like close to the edge Canyon roads on that stretch too. Once you get yeah. be- down, down in by the Colorado. And I just remember uh, like you start getting glimmers of lights. The the headlights are kind of bouncing off rocks, but off, off to the passenger side, it's just blackness, but it's dark enough that, and it's so black that you don't, you wouldn't know if it's five feet or 5,000 feet. <laughs> and so we're just cruising along. And you're tired. Oh yeah. And you're tired. You're, you're so strung out. It's, <laughs> this is a Wednesday that we're supposed to be setting up at this vendor show. And, it's it's 5 a.m. Sun starts to come through, and then I could see what that edge of that was, and it's like a gorge down to the river, and it's, <laughs> it was just like. And again, I'm from Wisconsin, man, so we don't have that. We don't have fog line imminent death. It's just not <laughs> something that we have to deal with. And so that was eye opening in its own right, and we like it's backfiring and just banging <laughs> off the, the canyon walls. It's like chitty, chitty, bang, bang, slowly making our way into Moab. And we, we, we tee into 191 just north of town and we hang a left. And I think we, we were staying at that holiday inn right there. And we, we just parked this piece of shit in the parking lot. And we're like, we, we have, now we have to just quick fix the Jeep, fix all the stuff on the Jeep get the console installed because we never did that do all of these things we get to the show we have an awesome booth you know my dad from his sales experience did a lot of trade shows um so like the 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 public speaking the the like that came pretty natural to me um the interaction with people in, in those types of environments um was something that i grew up around so we had a really cool booth um we for well, at least we thought um we presented well um we and then the, there was this guy that came up during the show that was that looked familiar he looked like uh oh, they got randy from my name is earl <laughs> and and he was just talking about how cool these things these consoles were um and you know i haven't slept in like days and and I kind of look at him like, huh, are you Pete Trasborg? Oh, yeah. Hi. Nice to meet you. This is my, my girlfriend, Missy. Um, and uh, I like I about fainted because I've been reading magazines with this guy in it for the last five years. And it's like, whoa. And, and he just said my product was cool. I've made it. I've done. I don't have to. I can quit. Um, I don't well, that, have that, to drive back. <laughs> right, you're right, right. <laughs> and and we 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 that was the start of a wonderful friendship. Um, that that was shut down way too soon. Um, a few years back, but um, which is where Epic was 
he was a, a major inspiration for Epic. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so we, we, what was inspiring was the amount of networking that I was able to do. Tom O'Neill from Skyjacker Suspensions um, was in a booth not far and um, introduced himself, liked our product and introduced himself. And um, I had so many questions about how the manufacturing industry worked because I, I wanted to build Jeeps, but I knew that I would have to, to build Jeeps in a small town. I needed to have a national name. Uh, the the fastest way I felt to get a national name was to be a manufacturer. So now I've, I've wrapped three revenue streams up into one. So it's like building three separate businesses just to be able to, to really just build Jeeps and do fun stuff. And like everybody in the industry was just super kind and helpful and uh, willing to offer whatever assistance that they could to see everybody else succeed. Um, and I was felt pretty darn blessed to just be a part of it. Uh, but I also was like, screw this whole thing. And this Chevy is a hunk of junk and I don't want to see it again. Can I just go home? Um, so <laughs> remember, had, I think I, no good story. No good story ever started with a salad. That's true. <laughs> that's so you're one. started with a pizza. <laughs> that's right. You're right. Yeah. And we, I think we, I sold one console that year to a guy from Canada in Canadian money. I didn't even make him exchange it. I didn't care. <laughs> and I have that framed now as a $20 Canadian or 20 or whatever. Um, like $4 American. Right. Yeah. yeah so was, <laughs> with the exchange rate, it did not work out well for me. Um, but I took one of those bills. My wife made a cool shadow box. So I kind of remember where it all started. Um, and, and then it was like, then that Saturday we did big Saturday and also had no idea what like a trail ride out there was. Right. Because <laughs> we're, we're from the Midwest. Like everything's, there's no BLM land. And like, you don't go get lost for 12 hours at a time. We did seven mile rim. We show up, we do big Saturday. We do the parade out of town and we keep driving. We keep, we're like, where are we going anyways? Well, that's 15 miles north to the turn in up by the airport. And so we, we get up there and it's four of us in a CJ seven. We don't really have all the required equipment. It was kind of like, Oh yeah, bring the stuff. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a lunch. We didn't, we didn't have anything. And <laughs> we start bebopping down the trail. We're like, Oh, it's fun. It was pretty. It was cool. Oh, it's close to the edge. And, um, we stop at this arch and then we, and they're like, all right, well, everybody grab a drink of water and we'll keep going. And then we stop somewhere else at, at noon. Um, and they're like, all right, everybody, why don't we have lunch for a half hour and then we'll keep rolling. And y'all look at each other. We? <laughs> yeah. We all looked at each other like, what is happening? And, and my dad reaches into his pocket and he's like, he's got like, I don't know, two handfuls of salted in shell peanuts. <laughs> so he just rations them out. It's like the Donner party at that point. Yeah. <laughs> we were on that trail for 12 hours. With, by the time with a handful of nuts. Town. Yeah. And we're like, but that's oh what your gosh. wife thought. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Just a whole Jeep full of them. <laughs> and we, we get back down to, 
town like we pat we were we were gonna go out for steaks that night and like you know what is it that paddle something paddle or something broken uh, oar. broken oar that's right uh and uh i remember we went in there we were gonna have beers and steaks we were so tired that we we went into the the broken oar ordered our, our food ate half of it i didn't know if i finished a beer I was sleeping before I even made it back to the hotel. <laughs> and it's that was also the realization that trail riding can kick your ass. <laughs> and we and then it was like the next morning we had to load up and head home and we didn't want to go through Denver because it was so steep. So we're like uh, we'll go up through Salt Lake City and curve back over to I-80 cuz that's not. <laughs> right, yeah, that we, and I don't know. My my dad's the one is like this is what we're going to do. I think. What do you guys think? I don't know. You just told us. And now you don't even sound sure of it. Great. <laughs> uh, well, and and so as we're heading out of town, we're like, let's grab a map sensor from CarQuest. And like, I've I've had like anxiety to the max. My heart is just fluttering. Like, and not in the oh my gosh, this is my first love feeling. It's more just like I'm gonna vomit. I have to th- breathe through every step I take. As I'm walking into the parts store yet again to buy crap that probably won't fix my freaking problem, <laughs> and I and I walk around this uh, this big long freaking trailer that's in my way, and I just about run into this dude with camo shorts, uh, like combat boots, uh, a red beard, and uh, 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 like a Spiderco black zip up jacket. And I was like, holy shit, that's Clifton Slay. <laughs> and to me, that was another guy who was a pillar of the industry at that time. Right. And and he, he was just like, oh, he he just introduced himself. Um, I, I said, I was like, holy man, Poison Spire, I've been, oh, sure, uh, you guys do such cool stuff. And, and I said, I'm here and I suck. Everything sucks. <laughs> and he just looks and he's like, oh man, it's worth it. Just keep doing what you're doing and it's worth it. Um, he's like, it's, you know, guys like you that, that help keep this industry going. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you're the one that actually does shit. I just break down, but yeah, you know. but people have to buy parts. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what keeps the industry going. Oh, <laughs> uh, but just that little bit of, just that little bit, man, it was enough to be like, yeah. And then Jay, who was like, dude, I'll drive all the way home. We're going. And he drove for 19 and a half hours straight. Uh, so the map sensor worked. It worked. It worked. It wasn't perfect, but it worked. It worked enough to get us home. And uh, the everybody was happy to get their crap back. But that set that precedent that no matter what, it's going to be better. And it was very similar to that for years. But uh, so now we almost thrive on that, right? That, that, that unknown um, adversity, adversity, you know, that's, uh, you know, Max built has grown. Um, I, I don't want to make this a six hour podcast, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Cause I think that that's really what set the precedent for our business that, and, do what you love and don't stop doing it. Um, you know, in, in 2000, 
uh, and, and Tan, my wife asked me to maybe find a different place than the garage since she was pregnant and she was sick of the upstairs smelling like welding fumes all the time. <laughs> um, so we, we found a, a, a place just up the road. And then after a year, um, the landlord there was like, and you guys need to beat it. Um, and the, the, the building that we're at now, uh, was, came up for, uh, to, to buy in 2012 from another, it was another Jeep guy that had it. And, I was able to buy that. Um, and you know, it was just myself and Riley at that point. He actually helped me move in. That was the day that I met him. Um, we signed, uh, the day before Thanksgiving on this property on Thanksgiving, Riley was with my cousin, John at, uh, at that point in our lives, we would go to family dinner and then we would all go to somebody's house or drink beer or whatever. And so met up with this Riley guy who was, in between jobs and just wanted to do something different. And so he came to work with us and the, like his first job was moving from that other place to this new place. And I mean, he worked for a sandwich and a pack of smokes for four months, five months, just to help, just to help. That's a great Um, employee. (laughs) I mean, he, you know, He'll always have a job. He's he's now our lead technician, um, and he's been uh, the loyalty uh, goes both ways. Uh, and you know the the point here, you don't have to. Skill set is fantastic. Um, one thing you can't not have is passion if you want to work here. Uh, everybody here is passionate about something, uh, and. You know, I would say Riley's passion is loyalty, Um, you know, uh, and that was 2012. We kept building stuff and, you know, keep throwing our hat in the ring and trying to make impressions on a national scale. And we we got more and more notoriety over the years. And then I think it was 2015. I was finally able to call over to to Adam at, at Napa. And I said, Adam, I think it's time. We just came out with this new product, these new taillights, and uh, they seem to be doing really well, and it's more than I can manage, and I'd love for you to come down and, you know, this is my best friend, right, so don't do business with friends. Well, that's if you don't, I think there's a, that's for people who don't know how to do business with friends. Right. (laughs) That's who said that. Um, And so I'd like you to run the show, but also knowing that if I'm going to trust him to run the show, I got to trust him to run the show. Um, so he came down and, um, he's still, he's the coup, the chief of operations, um, and still helping me come up with whatever crazy ideas or whatever crazy ideas guy come up with. He, he makes sure that they happen. Um, and the team has grown, it's changed and evolved, but Riley's still here. Adam's still here. We've, um, you know, we, 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 <clears throat> a couple of years well 2015 was because of all that adversity that we were just talking about we're wrenching on adam's old 53 cj3a and drinking beers in the shop and him my my buddy mark and i we were like wouldn't it be cool to drive these punks of junk across the country drag something out of the weeds like rebuild it just enough 
and then like throw a dart on the map and drive there. So I said, well, let's quit talking about it. Let's do it. And so 2016 was when uh, we drove to Moab, Utah from here, uh, a 2,000 mile trip for Easter Jeep Safari at 30 miles an hour, which that's a whole nother podcast, I feel like, <laughs> on the Epic Willie's Adventure, but feel free to check that out. Um, but it was all because, because the easy path is easy. And like you said, there's no good stories on the easy path. Um, and so we, we started doing that in 2016, um, 2018, we were really hit up hard to be a reality TV show. Um, discovery network was all over us, but that was also when streaming was changing the game so much that budgets were cut. Um, our opportunity fizzled out, but we had had some, um, some interactions and we caught the attention of uh, one of our, our parts suppliers, CarQuest and Advance Auto Parts. And we worked with their, their marketing department out of Raleigh um, because our marketing style, which is true to very, a lot of the guys in the industry, um, was very grassroots and homegrown and, and honest. And, and, you know, we, we could find ways to humanize a brand. Um, and so when we had them fly out to talk about a TV show, their CMO pulled me into my office and said, we're not going to be involved in that, but we would like to work with you. We just need to figure out how. <clears throat> so after we did an Instagram takeover for them in 2019 at SEMA, um, we started building a relationship where I was, we were focusing on, um, explaining and sharing our marketing techniques with their with their business as well as the technet shops like myself which technet is like a, it's a, a national network of independent shops like myself that can offer my customers nationwide warranty uh, roadside assistance and a, and a host of other benefits just by doing business with me so i can give the good years and the firestones and whatnot a little run for their money right um and, and so that branched a whole other business called Legends Marketing, where we've built a team up there as well um, that, that keeps MaxBuilt's identity as MaxBuilt's, but then we can use MaxBuilt to kind of help um, other shops and um, work with Advance and CarQuest. And so I started to put a lot of effort into that. Um, and even Epic, our third Epic was this year, and, we kind of business max built was okay. Like business was more like it was, it was keeping everything afloat. We were busy. Um, but if we stayed where we were, well, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Um, there's only two options in business. Right. And even though I was like, ah, cruise control, right? I mean, max built can do that. I enjoy this marketing bit. Um, but you know, then I, then basically our leader over on the account on our, on our marketing side, like really stepped up and, um, took a lot, a lot more ownership over the role and, and, and like was growing. Right. Cause we're, none of us was like, this is what we have to do. We're all evolving. And that kind of grew to a point where, um, I could think about the rest of the business. And I was a friend of mine came on Epic this year as a friend 
um, we had like it was the it was the greatest hits year of of Epic Willie's Adventure. You could see it. We actually have like a mini series going out on YouTube on Epic Willie's Adventures YouTube channel. So check it out. It's pretty great. But it shows that dynamic, especially what I'm talking about now. And um, this friend of mine, his name's uh, Chris Cooper. He was the local radio host for 20 some years. Um, and so he was like, he understood marketing. And I mean, in the back of my mind, since I knew him, it was like, so wouldn't it be so cool if someday, like, you know, he's just got, he's just good at what he does. Um, you could just tell that he would be an asset, but I'm not in any position to do anything like that. Um, until I started looking at, there was a number of it. It was, looking at where the business is and it's like, if I create some efficiencies, this business really can grow. And, um, max built and, and legends. Um, and so it was like, okay. And he's passionate. He's just passionate about life and adventure and, uh, you know, do epic shit. That's what he says every day. Let's do epic shit. And, um, we've, we've PG that and I apologize for dropping, uh, some colorful words here and there, no, 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 but it's, uh, it's all right. We're all right. Shop talk. Yeah. We're, um, we're, we're rated <laughs> deal. And, uh, but you know, it was just th- that type of energy. And, and he, he documented, um, our, our, our marketing guy at the time, like Epic, he was also a participant in Epic. So to do coverage and to be a participant was a lot. It was a lot to try to manage, Um, and so we kind of asked Cooper to step into that role on this, this trip and he, he killed it. It was like day two. I was like, you should just work for us, but also let's spend 14 days in a tiny 1953 Willie's pickup cab together and, uh, at 110 degrees or whatever it ended up being across the plains and, uh, see if we actually like each other at the end of it before we (laughs) commit to something like that. And, um, you know, he was out of the radio and he was kind of doing his own thing. So it was like, it might work. Um, and, and like Epic is about as inspirational as and exciting as it can get for people that are as deranged as we are. Um, and so, so then after Epic, um, we, you know, our, our existing marketing guy, Cody was like, man, this job just. It, he couldn't get it to jive, which is understandable. And so he wanted to go his own way and which was like, Cooper, let's have that talk now. Um, and he Coop started a couple of weeks later as our chief marketing officer and took it as that role. Um, immediately started building up brand partner initiatives because we have a lot, we have loyalty, right? We talked about that. We have, um, we have reach, we have outreach, we have, uh, we are, we encourage others to, um, to do better, be participants, be a part of, um, of life. Uh, we, we feel we're good storytellers. Um, so just like with Epic, it was like these brands that we're working with, let's, let's, let's take that to the next level. He's like, I would like to plan out a tour. Like it's a, like it's a rock tour. Um, uh, and you know, we'll make, we'll make tour shirts and, uh, we'll, we'll call it the get lost tour 2022. Let's hit the road again. Cause we'd been cooped up for 
two years. And it was like, and, and we will go to these trade shows and events and we usually, we're usually fun. Uh, we, we have, we, 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 we bring a, we bring a good time and we also, Oh yeah. We also have some product, I guess, if people want to buy it. But at the end of the day, let's play hammer at the booth. Let's, uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's have prize wheels and stuff. Let's play bean bags or whatever it might be. Um, let's make it a party because people are, that's why people are coming to trade shows. That's why people are coming to social media. They're, let's let's make it entertaining. And he just got that and he understood it. And he's solidified our brand partners. He's grown it with more. Um, we've got we're we've been thrashing like crazy um, for our first main events that is on Friday, um, which is a, a trip out to the Arizona Strip um, with Four Exploring, Bob Liebenhagen and Four Exploring. Right. Um, and so, uh, and it, we just finished building Coop's Jeep last night at like 10 o'clock, um, with one of our, you know, Terraflex is a, we've been, you've, you've known them too forever, obviously. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that they, they, I was lucky enough. They were the first person that let me hang out in their booth with my product as like, I was somebody important, at least how I felt in 2009 at SEMA, um, our first center console in a JK built for Dan from Burnsville off-road was featured in a Jeep that he built for the guys at Terraflex. And so, we, you know, again, history, right? Loyalty. Remember who takes you to the dance. And uh, these these were those guys. So we got to, uh, we slammed together a cool JK build for Cooper. It's getting its decal set on it now. And, um, and then in this fall, we knew that we wanted to do more big projects. Um, we knew that we had some cool projects coming to SEMA last year. I knew that Adam and I are about freak, like we are maxed out, max capacity. Our manufacturing was going to shambles because the guy we had running it, we weren't paying attention to the work that he was doing. And it was like, and he, and things were being sold, but like we weren't really paying attention. And so we had, we had some major holes to fill. Uh, our fabricator left, uh, it was pretty bleak this fall, but of course, like, Hey, this is where we do our best work. And we had two options. I had, I could, I could downsize, um, and I could just have the manufacturing be a thing where we basically just come to work, hang out and play basketball all day. Um, and it would be self-sustaining for like Adam and I, and maybe Cooper or, uh, we not accept that. And, I got into this to build really cool Jeeps and we've built some really awesome Jeeps and I'm, and we're not done yet. And so, um, ran into this, this gentleman named Kent, uh, at on and off over the last year. And then he came to a cruise. We did our customer appreciation cruise in October and I had had some custom bench made knives made, um, uh, last, last Christmas for the crew. And I had a few extra, so I put it in a raffle, and Kent won it. And I thought about it that later that night. And I was like, "This Kent to, to me was an enigma. He was a very intriguing person, um, but who who was always happy and just loved life and just loved being around people." And I didn't really know what he did. I knew he worked at some big computer company and did stuff, whatever they do there. And but but he was he was intriguing. And and when he won that knife, you know, I don't know if you. Pocket knives hold a special significance, right? Yep. Um, 
And so I texted him that evening and I said, for what it's worth, I think it's a, it's a, that's pretty cool that you got that. Um, and I'm really, I couldn't have wished it to go to, to a, you know, a better person. And he sent me a picture of like every pocket knife he's ever had since he was a kid. And he said, Oh, I, I know how important it was. And, and it was like, I said, after that, I said, let's have dinner. I don't know why, but we got to like, let's hang out more. And we went to dinner the next week and, uh, him and his wife and my, myself and Heather and said, Hey, uh, let's, uh, uh, you know, I, I joked about, you know, what do you do? And this is what I do. And basically, you know, we both live to have fun and we work hard so we can play harder. And, um, I, I was talking about SEMA. He's like, oh, I've always wanted to go to SEMA. I said, I'll get you a ticket, fly out. You can always ride back with us. Ha 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 ha. Okay. It's like, well, <laughs> all right. The next morning he sends me his itinerary, one way ticket to Vegas. There are a few people, uh, the people that, the people that I know would do that work here. <laughs> and, uh, and so he came out and he was talking about, he was getting to that point in his life where he was kind of done with that career. Um, and you know, like thinking about retiring and wanting to do something different. And I said, well, it could look like this. Um, and of course, you know, we're a small shop looking for growth, but we have an opportunity, especially after SEMA, we got, we got lots of phone calls for lots of work. Um, we have some great brand opportunities with, uh, some, well, Lippert, they want to be a part of this huge bus build that we want to do. Um, and we have a lot of great opportunities. It was like, well, let's keep having this discussion, Kent, but if I can get a bigger building and what he does, like his background is his passion is people, but his background is project management. And I didn't want a sales guy, but I did need somebody that was organized that knew how to increase efficiencies. And the fact that they, that he loves people also allows for that constant communication that isn't sales, but is definitely a, an aspect of the management of the project that is the customer interaction. Right. Um, and so as if he can do that, it'll just help with our higher end clients or these longer term projects. Cause Adam and I are still shuffling through the, the, the leveling kits and the, and the break jobs and whatever as well. Cause that part of the business never died either. And each piece can kind of help the other one float sometimes. So long story short, man, I feel like I'm long-winded and maybe nobody no. will listen. But oh, no, this has been intriguing about. as hell. <laughs> I, uh, he, he, well, I appreciate that. Um, and so, you know, he, 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 he talked it over in his life and with his wife and his, and uh, the people that, that, uh, you know, he cares deeply about and he called up and said, yeah, let's do it. January 10th, I'll start. Um, and he said, let's, let's do epic shit. And I was like, I've heard that before the guy sitting <laughs> on the desk right next to you says it every day. Um, and so, so he came on, we've got now plans to triple the size of our building. Um, we'll be adding on a, uh, a 6,700 square foot, uh, steel manufacturing center where we'll be, we're going to call it the Epic build center, the EBC. Uh, Kent will run the EBC and um, from the production of all of these projects, we've got five slots in there for long-term projects. Um, 
as well as two in a final assembly or two bays in an assembly area. So like a clean room, um, we'll have a large fab area as well as like we could do all of that and still work on our 40 foot, uh, bus project that we're trying to figure out what that's all going to look like. And then, and then during all of that, as Adam and I are trying to like figure out now what the hell the hell are we going to fix the manufacturing center? Um, I was like, you know, I know this guy that used to work at, um, like a steel center. They sold steel, but like the, the owner of the steel shop, like also would buy like everything, auction lots of pallet racking and like cut apart propane tank cylinders, like the 500 gallon, like it was, it's like a guy's junkyard dream. It's all super organized. Um, I remember I used to go out there and there's this, this guy, Mark, um, would run like the eBay side of like the shipping, receiving, um, and processing orders. He also did some fantastic vinyl work. Um, and again, over the last year I started bumping into him again. And, and I remember back when I was going to Polish enterprises where he was working, man, that'd be so cool to have somebody that, that was like that talented, that just got it and, uh, and had the work ethic to just know, to just do the right thing. Um, and, and, and like, and thrived on just being as efficient as possible. You know, his, his, his passion is efficiencies and, and, uh, and just quality of work. Like just knowing, like we've got, he's been putting up, uh, highlighted emails from customers that are over the moon. We put them up on our, our refrigerator in our break room, just like, just like we're a, we're a family here. Uh, we want to see what everybody's doing and see him succeed. He, you know, I, I pitched it to him. Um, like, Hey man, like, I don't know what it looks like. And you know, this is what I'm thinking. And this is, I'm trying to build a leadership team, uh, of people with the right virtues and values, uh, that can take this. I'm throwing my hat back in the ring, man. I, I was thinking about cruising, but let's just, let's go to the bank. Let's start all over and let's, you know, just, just, start from scratch what it feels like with all the, the lessons that we've learned. And, um, <clears throat> we've, we couldn't be in a happier spot. Mark also does like merch and he does our merch. He's doing our vinyl stuff. Coop's getting, he's signing deals with Grizzly coolers. So we've got collabs with them and Terraflex and all sorts of businesses. I mean, I really think that, well, my hope is that you guys that that everybody's going to hear more from us in 2022, 23, 24, 25. I'm my uh my vigor's been restored for sure. You get a little burnt out, man, after 15 years. Absolutely. Um, but it's but it's things like this where you're like, "Ha, oh, that's right." I mean, I haven't slept more than 3 hours in the last like week. But oh, a night. Um because it's it was traveling to Kansas City to to speak and be a part of this this marketing these marketing things that I do with Advance and these shops and um and you know share some of the the wins and losses from my life with them and then then it was as soon as it was come back it was like I got back Saturday night uh, at seven o'clock by ten o'clock I was coming down to the shop uh, work on coops all day the next day uh, get that ready to roll and it's fun to build jeeps again. So the passion has been the, that fire has been reignited. 
Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I couldn't be happier about it. Well, that's really cool. And you guys are going to consider still do the Epic Willie adventure. You guys are doing that every other year. Yeah. So, and I had to, well, I uh, put my foot down is the wrong word. Cause again, like a, we are a co-op around here and, um, you know, it, for those that, that may, may have seen it too, but we do, um, every Tuesday morning we cook bacon, uh, and I do a Facebook live called mornings with max built where I'm just cooking bacon and shooting the shit with whoever's out there. Um, but I do that because we have our, that's when we have our shop meeting <clears throat> and we taught every single, every department says something, every, every, everybody has something to offer or has a, has the floor at some point where we're, we're we break bread. We we're sitting there, we're bullshitting. Um, and, everybody gets to kind of talk about what they'd like to see um, and how we can all incorporate it. Well, we were uh, epic. That topic was brought up too. And it was, you know, Coop's excitement to do it every, every year after this last one. And I was like, man, if we want to do, we've got 30 events on the calendar right now for this year. Um, there's 52 weeks in a year and we're already three months in and we start on Friday. <laughs> so if we try to do Epic for two weeks and all these other things, we can do it. I might not have a wife or a life at the end of it, but, um, I try to incorporate my family into all these things. And I'll tell you what, uh, during COVID I bought a little chainsaw sawmill, cut a bunch of trees down and built a little cabin on my property. Uh, I like being home now. I haven't been home for 10 years. It feels like COVID taught me that I need to remember that balance. And that's part of building this team, right? So that I don't necessarily have to be the one that goes to every single thing. Right. But Epic will be every other year continued. We're going to go back to that. So our, um, I guess you hear, you heard it really, you heard it here first. Um, we've decided that, uh, it will be around the, the Bantam show next june uh and it will be a east coast tour yep so we'll be starting starting and or ending in butler pennsylvania and or starting and or ending in boston so crown automotive has always been a huge supporter and they're in plymouth and um so or manchester with that area mark's awesome Uh, yeah he is absolutely he's so great um and so we'll start there, go up into Maine. We'd like to, we'd like Canada to open the back up so we can go up to, uh, there's a really cool road up on the St. Lawrence Seaway that I, that would be killer to do in a flatty. So, and a flatty in like June. So that's our goal. That's when we'll be doing it next year. We'll actually have our dates and stuff hammered out for when we're at the Bantam show this year, because that's when we will announce it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. I'm, I can't wait to, when people ask me, how did I get into it? I'm just going to send the link. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, I haven't you had know, the opportunity to do that. I, I can remember when I came to visit you at the shop, it yep. was during one of those, the, your staff meeting, you'd say, I'd say, you know, where you were doing the videotaping and cooking, I don't know, 16 pounds of bacon or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. 
Yeah. And uh, it was, it was great. And I hope to get back up there here this year and, and visit you guys and see what's new. Really like to yeah, do no, another, love another shop tour for the magazine or something. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, yeah, later later in the summer, then the then it'll be the more impressive it will be. Excellent, excellent. Well, cool. Hey, Phil, I want to say thank you so much for coming on board and and spending this morning doing this interview and and telling us your life story and and how you how you got to where you're at now and and basically your plans for the future expansion and and but building the team to do it right. That, that is, yeah, well, when you said it like that, it gave me chills and that's exactly what I'm hoping to do. So I'm glad it's coming off as such. Perfect. So excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, I'll let you know when this is going to air. All right. Can't wait. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. All right. All right. Later. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating, share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.